And welcome to episode 25, What to Do on a Cloudy Night with the Actual Astronomy Podcast, where we actually talk about amateur astronomy. But in this episode, we're going to talk about reading books because it's been really cloudy. <laughs> yeah, it's time, it's time for armchair astronomy because we haven't been able to get out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Sheen, this is the episode 25. 25 seems like a, like a fairly big milestone for some reason, at least to me anyway, I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, it is a neat milestone. Um, you know, us being new to this whole podcasting world, uh, you know, there's a lot of firsts. So yeah, it's kind of neat. I wasn't yeah, sure well, how far we would get or where we would end up, but I'm enjoying it. And uh, hopefully the listeners well, are too. Well, we did it a while back. Like I was actually going to say um, before we came on here that uh, I did find one of our old scripts back from, oh. I think it was like 20, uh, yeah, 2011. Okay. And I, I read it for like 30. It was very painful. It was in May. And so what I was doing back in, in May this year is I, I was going back in, I think in June to check something that we had done in a podcast. Um, and we keep very loose notes now. Those, those notes were not loose. It was, it was more scripted, I think is the way to put it. Um, and a lot more work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember you had like coyote howls and oh. crickets chirping. <laughs> it, was, oh. it was fun. <laughs> it was fun, but it, it would have been fun. Like maybe we'll do one like that again sometime, but it was so much work. Remember that? And yeah. uh, we'd also like set up uh, like a, like a web page for each episode. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I mean, boy, that was, and I mean, not even just like, it was like what to observe in the nighttime sky. I would do like custom maps and all kinds of bonus stuff. And like people loved it, but man, like, even if it was a full-time job, it would be a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's uh there wasn't the infrastructure, like the podcast infrastructure that there is now that just makes it a lot easier to do, you know, to record and upload the episode. Well, yeah, excuse me. I did like make some pretty uh, detailed notes for like actually how to upload them and then um, kind of get the feed out there and, and join it up with, uh, with the Apple iTunes environments. And yeah, it was, it was like major surgery uh, putting each one of those out. So, so that's why, and, and on this one, you're doing all that anyway. So uh, I'm like, you know, when you said you were up for doing that, I was like, great. Cause that was the big barrier. Uh, to me anyway, to actually hop back in and start doing podcasting again, because I just really didn't like all that post-production very much. And then you and I, you and I agreed pretty readily that we wouldn't do any editing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's very little, there's very little editing so, that's done. So we, we are solely responsible for any errors, omissions, and, uh, you know, problems that we, that we generate. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's better. I, I think it's, it, you know, I look forward to it and then it's great when it's done. I think you just sort of line them up and then, and then put them out there. I, I do the recording, but it's, you know, less than five more minutes of work a week. And so it's, it's really wonderful. So thank you. Thank you so much for kind of re reinvigorating this. Yeah. I'm enjoying it and uh, we're having fun. So that's good. Yeah. And lots of people listening. Um, we're at this morning. I, I think I said earlier, I don't know what we're at now, but we were at 1,125 downloads. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great sign. Great. You know, people are listening and that makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Well, it makes me a little bit nervous. Like I was kind of, I'm like, it, I, you know, I, I don't think it's all the, the same individuals who, who are downloading and it's great. Um, but yeah, I was, I was really surprised at the fact that so many people had, like, I can no longer say, well, it's just Shane testing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, uh, and so for this one, for this episode 25, uh, where we're not going to talk as much uh, about the, the doing of astronomy, um, we're going to talk about books, which is, which is my other great love in astronomy. Yeah, well, there's a lot of nights where either the sky conditions don't allow us to go out and observe, or sometimes too, just life, you know, leaves you kind of tired, right? And you don't feel like calling a telescope out to observe, but it doesn't mean we're not still kind of enjoying the hobby. There's a lot of different ways to uh, sit back in a comfortable chair indoors and still kind of be immersed in astronomy. Yeah, and in the, and we also have recommended a few books so far. Um, couple of few of the books that you've recommended are in particular, I, I think anybody who's really interested in astronomy, regardless of where they are, should buy the book Night Watch by Terrence Dickinson. I don't think that's a controversial thing to say at all. That is, at least in my opinion, and I think in many, many other people's opinions, this is the best book on getting started in amateur astronomy. Um, I, I don't know if you have another one that you can think of, Shane, but that definitely is, I think, the best book. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. It gives you an overview of all of the constellations, some bright objects within them, how to use your tele telescope, how to star hop. Um, it's really everything you need to get going. Um, the only other one I might throw into that category would be the Sky and Telescope Pocket Atlas. Uh, it's cheap. You know, I think it's $20. It's more detailed, more objects than what Nightwatch provides. Um, but that atlas can last you a lifetime and yeah. provides you a lot of different objects to yeah. see. And it's, and it's an atlas. It's not a how to or anything like that. So I, I kind of, yeah, I, I think that is a perfect recommendation for, for an atlas, but definitely people can get started with, uh, with Nightwatch. I think Nightwatch is the, is the very first thing to get. And of course, there's also the Backyard Astronomer's Guide, which was the first book uh, somebody bought me for astronomy. Um, however, it's not that much of a how-to on astronomy. It's, uh, it's like a general overview on astronomy. And there's there's uh, more of a, an equipment focus, um, a bit of an astrophotography focus. I know uh, Alan Dyer, who, who's uh, the co-author with Dickinson on that one, has uh, recently been telling me that he updated the, uh, the astrophoto section. So I know in the next one they put out, whenever that's coming in, in coming months, uh, it, it, it has been updated again. But um, beyond that, uh, what, what is your, do you have a favorite astronomy book, Shane? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a hard, a hard question to answer. Cause I have a lot of books I really, really enjoy, but the one that probably I go back to the most frequently, it's more of a, like a guide or an observing handbook. Uh, and it's the observing handbook and catalog of deep sky objects. Uh, oh, the by... gift book, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a fantastic book. Do you have that one, Chris? Yeah, I have a couple copies of that. Yeah, I yeah. bought a copy and it had, I, I didn't realize I, I picked it up at, uh, like again, a telescope going into business store. I had flipped through it, like not real careful. It was on sale. It was very inexpensive. And I got home and it was like, cut in two and then it had like a duplication of the first section in the second section. So I had like, the, like instead of having 50, I think it has all 80 constellations or something like that. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah. I, I think it had like the first 44 for the Northern hemisphere and then had the 44 again, like, like, all, like you know, something like that anyway. Um, it, it's some sort of uh, uh, print set error. Um, and so knowing that actually a friend of mine gave me, 
his copy because he said he wasn't using it anymore. But that that's a great book. Yeah, I, I love it because it has <coughs> a couple thousand objects in there. It has like observing notes of what you expect to see at the eyepiece done by a visual astronomer, um, which is almost like reading an observing log. And for a number of the objects, uh, they give you a description of what it looks like through telescopes of varying aperture. Uh, and in some cases, what it even looks like through binoculars. Um, now, it, the, the range of aperture for the descriptions is anywhere from a kind of a binocular description all the way up to a 30 centimeter telescope. Uh, so that would be like a 12 inch, which, yeah. you know, all of that is within the range of a uh, amateur observer. Um, some of the guides out there, like you and I both have the um, interstellarium and there's a guide that comes with that. And that guide also shows a bunch of different objects. A lot of them are sketches uh, with varying apertures, but like, I think, predominantly the sketches are done through like a 27 inch Dobsonian. And that's just not many people have access to something that large. So while the image or the sketch might be pretty to look at, um, it really doesn't help me understand what I can see in the night sky because yeah. I'm nowhere near that. So that's one of the reasons why I like this uh, observing handbook and catalog of deep sky objects, because it tells me what I would probably see through the telescopes I have access to. Now, if I'm, if I'm recalling correctly, I believe that, and I, I could be wrong, but I believe that they did the observations on like the, uh, the roof of the University of Arizona or something like that. Oh, okay. I'm not, I'm not uh, aware of that. Yeah. Like way back, like I think 30 or more years ago, back before, long before you and I were even looking at buying telescopes when we were little kids or whatever. Um, yeah, that's my understanding of me. So that's that's just sort of a fun fact. Of course, now, you know, with all the light pollution, that, that might be uh, more of a challenge. I don't know. Never been to Arizona. Um, my favorite book is Deep Sky Wonders by Walter Scott Houston. And I say book, it it's comprised of the very best columns, at least as as edited by Stephen O'Meara, who's uh, who's a well-known amateur astronomer and, and writer as well. Um, and what it is, is Walter Scott Houston was a columnist, um, and he had a column in the Sky and Telescope magazine for many decades called Deep Sky Wonders. And in the, in the late nineties, um, well, he passed away, I believe in 94. And then very soon after what they did or, or what Stephen O'Meara did is he went and went through, uh, all the columns and then edited together the best sections kind of on a month to month basis. Um, and it's, a, it's like a narrative. It's just, it's almost like a story, even though there are these, there are these in some ways, unconnected um, columns that he's kind of edited together to, to make into these sort of month to month um, sections. Uh, it works really well. It's very well edited uh, with one. Do you ever read this book? I have not. No. With, with one sort of odd critique um, from me, I suppose, I, I've never heard anybody else say it. And that's that, I found like for whatever reason, there, there's not much in there on like the summer Milky Way, not really that much about it. Um, you know, in, in the, you know, summer months, it says something like people usually don't observe the Northern sky in the summer. And now we're going to talk about that. It's like, why would you, but anyway, apart from that, um, it's an excellent, excellent book. I uh, just uh, love the writing uh, by Walter Scott Houston. Now there's other deep sky wonder books out. Um, Sue French has put out two books 
called Deep Sky Wonders. And Sue French was the columnist who took over uh, from Walter Scott Houston when, when he passed away uh, in the 90s. And, uh, and she uh, has a slightly different approach. To, whereas Walter Scott Houston, what he was doing is uh, he was very much like generating like a narrative of amateur astronomy combined with uh, observations. And he used uh, you know, a pretty antiquated uh, like Alvin and Clark uh, refractor and some things like that. Uh, whereas uh, Sue French is uh, a little bit more of the hands-on observing and more of a like how to observe uh, these kind of objects. Um, and, and, you know, all sets worth owning. Her book, she put out two. She put out one. It was pretty successful. It was a very thin book. Um, I, I don't know how many pages it was. And I bought that. It was almost like a magazine. I don't even know if it's still available. And then there's like a really expanded version of that, which is printed by Firefly Books here in Canada, which is the same publisher as the, uh, as the uh, Terrence Dickinson books that we recommended earlier. And it's good. But, but I really love the, the story style of Walter Scott Houston's uh, uh, book as edited by Stephen O'Meara it, because it very much kind of gives you the story of that month. And I just really love that. It's not just about um, the observing. It, it's sort of that aesthetic of observing, I suppose, as uh, the way to put it. You really get that sort of feeling uh, and that sense. And then, like, you can go buy Sue French's book and kind of get uh, get her take as well, which is um, more of a more of a practical hands-on. Like, this is how you go and observe this stuff, and she has charts and everything like that. So, between the two, I think uh, it's a it's a really nice set. Oh yeah, that sounds like, especially the the Houston book sounds quite interesting. I'll have to check that out. Does Omira's Secret Deep, which we'll probably get into a little more discussion about, sure. is it sort of a carry on of uh, of that Deep Sky Wonder? Um, well, I, I have a I have a couple series that uh, I kind of had had written down here. So Stephen O'Meara has has a series of books starting with, uh, I think it's called like the Messier album or the Messier objects, I guess the Messier objects. And he has the Caldwell objects and hidden treasures. And then what was the other one? The Secret Deep, is that the one you referenced? And Secret Deep and Southern Gems. Southern Gems, yeah. So he's got a, he's got a set. Um, they're, they're pretty big and heavy. I mean, the, the Messier one is like regular book size and then Kind of as you as you progress through them, they they look like a Stephen King novel or bigger. They're they're quite hefty. Um, yeah, no, they're a little different. They're kind of they're they're kind of uh, uh, an in between. They're, it's a beautiful series, and where Stephen Amir will dive into a particular subset of objects, um, and then he will detail out uh, typically uh, some astrophysical data his observations, some interesting stuff about them. And what's great about Stephen Amira's book series is that he's observing with like around four and five inch instruments and doing some sketching. Um, I think most of the books, uh, you know, sort of are based around his sketches. I know some of them, some of the more recent ones had astrophotos. Uh, it's a great series. It's a little dense, you know, you kind of pick it up and you read through a few objects and then uh, you've, you've probably had your fill. Like it, it really is a lot of information. He goes through like the whole history of whatever object it is he's discussing. And it's a story, but it's not quite a reference. It's, it's not quite a reference and it's not quite a narrative. Would that, would that be a fair assessment from your uh, side of things? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good description. I, I have them all. Well, not the Messier objects or the Caldwell objects. I have the hidden treasures, secret deep and Southern gems. 
And I like his writing style. It's very engaging, but there's sometimes that I just, I kind of wished it was like itemized a little differently, like maybe a section or a heading that would say, uh, you know, the, the observational log or something like that for the object. Um, Cause sometimes that's all I really want to get into is, you know, yeah. what does this thing look like as opposed to the, the grand story around the object, but it's very informative, very good. And I, I love those books. They're great. And yeah. They like are. you said, you know, the fact that he's doing it with, again, a, a four inch telescope, I think for the first one or two or three books, uh, and then I think he moved on to a five-inch refractor. Again, very modest telescopes that are readily available to the amateur uh, astronomer. So, uh, yeah. in fact, that's largely what you and I observe with, are four yeah. and five-inch refractors. So um, it's really neat to have some guides like that, uh, especially for some objects that aren't part of the common lists, like the yeah. Messier list or the NGC, like the finest NGC. Yeah. And, and there's a bunch of other lists out there. Uh, Omira really keys on some unique objects that uh, are interesting to look at. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that series as well. And it's it's very well written and it's well referenced. Um, you know, it, it it is a it is a great is it a great series. Another series, and I have quite a few from the Patrick Moore. I think they're I call it sort of like the How to Observe series, um, which is put out by Springer. Um, these ones can vary quite a bit. There's some of them that are just excellent. And then there's some that, uh, uh, you know, it, it just kind of a bit of a head scratch what they're going on about. I think there's one on observing under dark skies and I got it. I was really excited. And uh, it was all about like electronically assisted observing. And I oh, was wow. like, or like uh, there was, maybe it was the dark nebula one. And it was like, well, you can't see dark nebula with your eye. And I'm like, well, I can. That's why I bought this book. I mean, why, <laughs> why would you write a book on something anyway? And then they, went on about how they were doing it with, uh, with uh, electronically assisted astronomy, which is, isn't really what we do. It's something very different. Um, and so I, I kind of was sort of taken aback by that. And uh, yeah, and they all kind of followed the same thing where they, they kind of talk about, this is the equipment you need and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, at quite length, quite long length. And uh, yeah, so there's quite a repetition. Um, and uh, one of my favorite authors in the series, though, I'll, I'll say this is, uh, or was, unfortunately passed away, was Peter Crago. He wrote the one on Mars and the one on Mercury and, and Venus. And, and those ones are really, really good. They are meaty. He goes into some pretty fine detail. Um, as an amateur, he was, was a, an excellent observer of, of the planets. And uh, anyway, th so the ones by Peter Crago are excellent. The ones on the planets in particular, I think, are all uh, in general, quite good. I think I know the author of the uh, uh, Neptune and uh, Uranus book, but I haven't been able to track that one down. So I actually ended up writing him. Uh, Richard Schmoody, I think, is, is the author of that one. I, I believe anyway. And uh, yeah, I, I might actually reach out to him, see if I can get a copy. But uh, yeah, the, the ones on the planets are good. The ones in the other you know, topics, uh, I'm not as, as much of a fan of. But uh, but I've got quite a library. I don't know, like, do you have quite a few astronomy books, Shane? Quite a few, yeah, yeah. And maybe just while we're kind of on the tail end of that Springer series uh, by Patrick Moore, uh, I have the Observing and Measuring Visual Double Stars uh, book. That's part of that practical okay, astronomy is it good? series. It's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, if somebody is interested in double stars, this will tell you everything you need to know and probably way beyond that. Because <laughs> yeah. it really gets into the... Um, 
uh, you know, kind of almost citizen science of actually measuring double stars, which is really fascinating. And it's something that some amateurs do get into. This yeah. book will tell you all about that. Um, but also just a great primer in general for double stars, which is something I'm kind of fascinated by. I do enjoy looking at them, uh, particularly from the backyard, because uh, light pollution really doesn't impact it. So it is a nice backyard project. Yeah, I, I don't mind double stars, uh, although, you know, to be honest, I'm more of a, of a, a double espresso fan than double star fan. But. Uh, I, I've got a lot of reference books. So like kind of when you're, I, I always thought it was neat, like reading Omira and, and Sue French and others, um, you know, they would, they would make these, these references to, you know, past observations. And I'd, I'd always kind of say, Oh, well, like, I really want to get that or this reference book so that I could do some of my own writing. Cause I, I do a fair bit of, of my own astronomy writing for the, for the journal and, uh, and the handbook. And, uh, you know, so I've, you know, very quickly uh, accumulated all those. So um, one of the more recent ones that's come out in the past uh, past decade was Observing Cataloging Nebula and Star Clusters by uh, Wolfgang Steinecke. I don't know if you've read that or not. I have not. And it is amazing. It is just an incredible book. Now, although it's a reference book, there's lots of stories in it. So it is probably the best cloudy night book that you don't own Shane you, you should go and buy this it's not inexpensive um, but you can kind of just sit down you can open it up you can read about like you know common hunters and uh, other observers has like some more obscure stories about the observers kind of lists out a lot of different uh, well all the nebulas and star clusters that we would be uh, familiar with so uh, it goes into some of the more interesting details it is extremely well written. Um, it's pretty dense though. Like it is, um, you know, like a three or four pound book kind of thing. And it's got a lot of material in there. Um, and again, you kind of sit down, you read a story or two from it, and then you can kind of put it down and, and then and not pick it up for, for some time. Um, another one is Star Clusters by Archnell and Hines. And uh, this book, Star Clusters, is more of a reference book. And in that, uh, it lists pretty much as, as much as possible all of the open and globular clusters in the nighttime sky. And okay. so if you're looking at a cluster and you're wondering anything about it, uh, it's going to be in there. Although it's, it's a little bit dated now. It's, it's around almost 20 years old, I think, uh, give or take. Um, but, you know, for the most part, that, that is uh, reasonably... Uh, uh, up to date uh, as far as like amateur uh, information goes. And it's, it, it's a good place to, to start. I don't know. Have you, have you taken a look at the star clusters book? No, I have not seen that one either. Um, sounds interesting though. And as you're giving these descriptions, I'm adding to my Amazon wish list. Yeah. I think I, <laughs> I think I uh, sent you, uh, sent you this list earlier today. Um, another one. And this one, is, is a smaller book. Again, it's a reference. Uh, and all of these I really like a lot. So I'm not, not really going to pick any favorites here is the Bedford catalog by Admiral Smythe. And I just, that book is so cool. Um, this guy was a sea captain turned um, almost like a professional astronomer and did uh, this wonderful work going through the nighttime sky, uh, deep sky objects and double stars and everything. Um, really comprehensive 
extremely well written. Uh, written, I think, in 1844 or something like that. Like I'm kind of recalling this off the top of my head, but uh, it, it is of some age, but it really gives you sort of that historical perspective. And of course, with these small instruments that we're using, um, much of the information, apart from sort of the astrophysical data, which, which can change as we, uh, as we talked about with the, uh, uh, the Codehenner cluster in the last episode, um, apart from that, like the visual description and, and all that kind of stuff is really not changing that, that much over time. Hmm. Have you, do you have a copy of this? I feel like you do have a copy of this. Of the Bedford catalog? Yeah. No, no I well, don't. You um... should get that because it's yeah. not... It, it's a nice one. It's, it's small and yeah, it's this really nice small book and it, it really jams in uh, a lot of material. Now the next one, I know you did buy one volume of it is a two volume set. Um, it's called the celestial objects for common telescopes. Yes. Yes. I have volume two, I think the one about That's stars, the deep sky one. Yeah. Deep sky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's volume one and two. I bought both, um, same place I bought the Long and Buell and Skiff book, although this set worked out a little bit better for me. And the first volume is on the planets, and it is just astounding. It's by a guy named Webb, and it was written, I think, originally in like the late 1800s uh, and then revised in the early 1900s. And then most copies, they, they were hard to get for a long time. And then in the 60s, they, they printed tons and tons of them. So it's really easy to find used. Um, and the, like I said, the first volume is on the planets. It is amazing. And the second volume is on the deep sky and it's really, really good. Um, the first volume is more narrative. So it's actually telling you more of a story of the observing of the planets. The second volume is just more detail. Uh, so you're looking at an object and you look it up and you can find it in there. And, you know, it's not really like a page turner. Uh, the first volume though, uh, goes into some of the stories on, on the observing. So it's, it's quite interesting. What do you think of it so far? Uh, I like it. Yeah. It's uh, very interesting. I haven't gotten too far into it. Uh, I'm currently just finishing up a really old book that you uh, got me onto. Um, oh, what the heck is it called now? It's um, through the telescope uh, by James. Uh, I don't know how you say his name. Bakey maybe. Okay. Yeah. Um, that book was written a long time ago and um, you know, I think like in the 1800s with, you know, modest equipment, but I'm fascinated by their planetary observations. And it just was gives this, you an idea of what you're able to see. Was this like an online book? Yeah, it's on okay. Project Gutenberg. So it's free. Okay. You know, yeah. you can grab it from there and uh, away you go. Yeah. And I mean, that's actually a great uh, place, Project Gutenberg. You can just Google that. I'm not going to try to spell Gutenberg, but it's just like the uh, Gutenberg Bible fame. And uh Free books online, digital. There's also the Internet Archive has tons and tons of free books. And in fact, some of these you might be able to find on there, like probably the Bedford Catalog and uh, Celestial Objects uh, are on there, I, I believe. Um, and there's lots and lots of other ones, just excellent uh, volumes of text. Because uh, one thing I find, like um, sometimes like the old pages can, can bother me a bit because uh, they get like that musty, mildewy smell. And so I've actually bought books and then sold them um, because of that, some people doesn't bother at all. And, uh, and then I just use the, the online versions. Yeah, it's a great option. And, you know, some of the times too, like, especially with these old books is, you know, just, they're hard to find in physical copies of them. So, you know, if you can get it online, uh, it's often free and, and, uh, easy to read. 
Do you have a copy of Burnham's Celestial Handbook? I have all three volumes, yeah. Okay. And do you have the hardcover or the softcover? Well, I have the hardcover and the uh, e-version on my Kindle. Okay. Yeah. I think I recall you uh, talking about the e-version before. So, so what is Burnham's Celestial Handbook? Well, it, it's a, like a collection of, well, so three volumes that are split up amongst uh, like varying constellations. And then for each constellation, he goes into great detail of double stars, variable stars, galaxies, nebulas, basically everything to observe within uh, that constellation. Uh, gives you some observing notes or kind of descriptions of what you'll see, some of the historical references to the constellation. Uh, it's a fantastic read. Uh, there's a lot of great um, narrative around the objects uh, that you would look at. Um, so one of, the, one of the ways, like I was sort of lucky in a way, and I'm lucky in many ways, I suppose, um, but the... Uh, the reason why I have such an extensive library is, is I, I lived and worked in, uh, in Waterloo for a while and, and just south of Waterloo is Kitchener. And that, that's really where I was working. People are familiar with the area and this is in Ontario. And there were two bookstores. I would go for a walk every day on my lunch hour. And there were two amazing used bookstores and they would just get stuff in. And so if I was in or other, like, oh yeah, like lots of people would come there for whatever reason. I don't know why it was. Um, Cause there was like a good astronomy club and there was some, some telescope stores nearby. I don't know if that was it or what, but they would get in tons of astronomy books. And I walked in one day and they had gotten it, you know, and though Burnham Celestial Handbook hadn't been, you know, published in decades, they had a brand new set. Um, I already owned a set, but it was the paper copy and mine had kind of been damaged. I'd taken it out of the nighttime sky. I think I'd spilled like a, like a glass of water on it. It was like in rough <laughs> shape. Um, I think I had even actually ripped one of the covers off. I don't know why. And uh, so I bought this, uh, got this brand new uh, copy. I think I paid like, it wasn't inexpensive. I think it was like $19 a book. So there's three copies. So I think I paid around $60 for it. But uh, yeah, just, just amazing just amazing to uh, to have that but yeah i've been i was very fortunate i would just go there it was a, about a 15 minute walk to the first one and i would kind of walk out there was sort of on the apex of the walk and then about halfway back sort of coming down the the other side of the loop there was uh, a smaller um not quite as extensive bookstore and i would go in there and i would you know probably at least once a month uh i would find a pretty good treasure there like i found the um dolphus uh, atlas of the planets at that one i found atlas of the galaxies um <laughs> you know sometimes for like five or six bucks you know wow. and, uh, yeah just just phenomenal phenomenal books and sometimes i'd ask it's hey can you get this and they would kind of go through their channels and and bring a book in so probably 80 percent of my library <laughs> excuse me came came from uh, from that process so i was pretty lucky any other uh, any other sort of reference books that you you have on your um, show of interest? I think I think I guess this is probably more of an atlas, but uh, and I think we actually talked about it on our atlas episode uh, a little while ago. But um, the Cambridge Photographic Star Atlas is just a fun oh, yeah. one to page through on the couch because yeah. you know you're really seeing what the night sky looks like pretty much naked eye, um, or maybe through binoculars would be a better 
description. But it's uh, it's a wonderful text just to familiarize yourself with uh, uh, like some constellations or some areas of the sky that you might want to observe. Um, one of the things I like to do on those cloudy nights is think about, you know, okay, next time I go out, what do I want to see? And then I may research, you know, the, uh, the constellation or the star field just so that I'm able to locate that object a little bit quicker when I'm actually out there. Yeah. And sort of in some shameless self-promotion, if one's looking for another great reference book might be the RASC Observer's Handbook of which I'm a contributing author for three sections. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so. last year we observed, like you wrote uh, an article about uh, objects in Cassiopeia, which we observed one night at Grasslands and it yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you can actually read uh, some of the observing that, that we've done together. I mean, typically we, we do do that if, if it lines up and probably about half the time, like uh, those observations that are, that are included in there or kind of the base of the work is, is based on like a session you, you and I and, and Mike and Rick have had uh, under the nighttime sky. So it is kind of neat to, uh, to sort of have that. And uh, you know, I, I probably have about another 60 year or 70 years uh, of content to go uh, for that project. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So I tagged on a few uh, binocular books, sort of for for the end of this. So um, we're we're big fans. I think that's a fair, fair assessment. You and I are big fans of binocular astronomy. Yeah, yeah. We we've said it before. There's sometimes we go down to our dark sky site. And the telescopes never get unpacked because we just take out the binoculars, sit back in a comfortable chair, and that's how we take in the night sky for an entire night. And it's really rewarding. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's even nights where if we didn't have the binoculars, we probably wouldn't be doing astronomy. I think of a lot of those nights, you know, like you were saying early on, or maybe it was in the past episode, where uh, it, it rains and then it clears off in the grasslands. And that's great. Like, we have clear skies. But everything is really damp and uh you know you you take the telescope out you know it's going to get covered in dew and you know sometimes if it's not too bad we'll do it but there's there's nights where we have mist rolling around like little fog banks are rolling in and out sometimes we have to like change positions and walk like 100 meters or or two or 300 feet over in a different direction we can be in complete clear skies again uh, but the place we just were is completely enshrouded in mist and fog and that kind of stuff um the binoculars are perfect for that. And we get some great sessions in. And it's really fun because all of our binoculars are different. Like you have your 12 by 36s. I've got a pair of 7 by 35s. Um, Mike has 15 by 50s. Some other people uh, usually are there with, <coughs> excuse me, like like eight power binoculars or 10 power binoculars. And kind of sometimes what we'll do is just sort of sit around in a circle and just kind of pass the binoculars around. And that's always so much fun. Yeah, I really enjoy it. And there's like the summertime Milky Way is just a fantastic region of the sky to, you know, gaze through with binoculars and just pan that entire area. There's so much to see. So I've got a short list on binoculars here, but do you have any favorite binocular books? Omira well, has a good one that I have. And oh, I think I remember that. It's, it's a pretty thin little book, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty thin. You know, I can't think of the name. Why don't you go on with yours and I'll, uh, I'll figure out. What yeah, I'm yeah, just, just look it up or something. Yeah, I remember, I think you, you brought that out to one of the sessions. And, or actually, I think you lent that to me once and I read it. Um, and it's kind of a page turner. It's, it's a good read. And I don't think it's very expensive. But I kind of sat down an afternoon and read it. It's quite nice. Um, but 
this is a book, my favorite book. You don't judge it by its cover because the cover art is a bit uh, elementary, maybe is the way to put it. Um, but it's Binocular Astronomy by Craig Crossan. And it is phenomenal. It just makes you want to go observing. He has a wonderful mix of visual observing as well as um, sort of the history of the constellations and then really great, uh, uh, at least according to me anyway, uh, really nice uh, sort of cultural perspective on astronomy as well. Uh, beautifully all tied in together, goes into some of the Egyptian hieroglyphics, all kinds of different things like that. It's just fascinating, beautifully written, well photographed, well laid out, well thought out, um, has a copy of a couple different types of all sky star charts, a little bit uh, deeper star chart in the back with a magnitude six star chart. Just an awesome, awesome book um, for doing binocular astronomy. I mean, really, you could get Night Watch, Binocular Astronomy, and Deep Sky Wonders. Uh, those three books. If I if I had to recommend three books to anybody, those would be the three books. Those are just such great books. You can sit down, read them cover to cover, and just go right back and and read them again. Those are my three favorite astronomy books. Um, but also touring the universe through binoculars by Phil Harrington um, is a wonderful reference for what you can see and what things will look like in a small handheld uh, pair of binoculars. Very concentrated, you go through constellation by constellation. He details out binoculars a little bit more in that than, uh, than in Craig Crossan's book. Um, and and it's, very, um, it's very easy to read. And you know, this, this is important, we're all aging here. Um, it's, it's got a large text, uh, font. Um, and, and I say that, uh, it, it really is very easy to read. A lot of the astronomy books are, are a little bit dense and the print is small and it's fine. Like I don't, I don't have trouble with that. A lot of people don't. Um, but if you're out on the nighttime sky and you're using red flashlight, that's really hard to read. Uh, but Harrington, I think thought of this. And so you can actually take his book out under the nighttime sky and have no problem reading it at all with your red flashlight. Um, and then it's also pretty easy to sit around and read um, just his his reference notes. And he goes on uh, a variety of different topics. He has a really good section on observing the moon with binoculars too. Do you have a copy of Touring the Universe Through Binoculars? No, I don't. No, the only one I have is that Omira one, um, which I did find uh, the title. Uh, where the heck did I put it? Oh, uh, it's Observing the Night Sky with Binoculars, A Simple Guide. <laughs> so By Stephen Omira. By Stephen James O'Meara, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, you should, I mean, you can borrow Touring the Universe through binoculars. I like. I have a have a copy. You're welcome to to borrow it. I, I got to keep a handle on my books here for the next six weeks while I write my next section for the handbook because I kind of sort of take an afternoon and spread them all out and figure out what I'm doing and then go through and put all my sticky notes in and then sit down and pound it out. <laughs> so I kind of have to start that process here once, once we get in better weather. I like to sit outside and do it. I don't know why. It's the only thing I write outside. I feel like for some reason I have to write it outside. I think when I started, when I started writing these sections for the handbook, I actually started writing them in the grasslands and uh, actually sat outside on, on the lawn there, which is now a day use area. And, uh, and I wrote the first section uh, sitting down there all by myself before people started going to that national park. So kind of oh, wow. Yeah. Another great uh, book, and, and this isn't necessarily a dedicated uh, binocular book. It, it's a bit of a wide field book. Um, it's a little dense. Uh, it's also by Craig Crossan. 
Um, it's sort of a tertiary recommendation, I suppose. Uh, and it's called Sky Vistas. And the reason for this recommendation is that it's, it's just such a beautiful book uh, to look at. It's one of the most beautiful astronomy books that I have. Um, and he talks about observing through large binoculars and wide field telescopes. Of course, uh, I'm really, I think of myself as a wide field observer. And so I really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, it can be a bit dense at times. Uh, it's well written. Um, but it's not really an introductory book and there's no uh, real charts for finding the stuff. You kind of, you're kind of assumed to know your way around, around the nighttime sky, but it's a very, there's a lot of pictures. There's a, at least one large picture section in it. It's got a very nice cover on it. Um, and that's Sky Vistas by Craig Crossan. But yeah, if I was to recommend three astronomy books um, that if anybody's really interested in astronomy uh, would be the Night Watch, um, it would be uh, binocular uh, astronomy, um, and then uh, you know you could you could kind of pick uh, a few, uh, one of a few different different books, I I suppose. But yeah, those those are my probably my two uh, top books to to pick. So I don't know about you, Shane, what you would recommend if somebody was looking to pick up a book on one night. No, that sounds like a, a great list of books uh, to start off with. And, and again, like a lot of the stuff we talk about, it's, it's not even really beginner stuff. Like it, it's accessible by anybody. And if you get into some of these books, it really provides almost a lifetime of enjoyment and observing. Um, so great recommendations. Um, the only thing I might add to this whole conversation, uh, and this will be fairly short because I think we've talked about a lot of this stuff already. Um, but another thing I like to do on cloudy nights is sometimes just browse the internet. And, you know, one of the best places to go for discussion is cloudy nights. Is cloudy nights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it makes a lot of sense. Strangely um, enough. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, a great place to go. Um, and then the other thing I like to do is sometimes just check out used gear. Um, astronomy, like any hobby can be expensive, but if you buy stuff used, you're, you often save uh, that depreciation and it allows you to, to test out some eyepieces. And if you like them, you keep them. And if you don't, you sell them for the same price that you bought them for. Um, so Cloudy Nights has a classified section. Uh, Astromart.com. Uh, uh, they also have um, uh, like a fairly extensive classified section. And then, uh, you know, you and I being in Canada, uh, the Canadian site is astrobicell.com. Um, so, you know, I like to check those three or four websites out, you know, on a somewhat regular basis, um, you know, when I'm not able to take my telescope out. Yeah. You know, one thing I was thinking of sort of a little bit off topic is that as, you know, we, we are in Canada, we actually live pretty close to the American border. <laughs> We're only, what, about 100 kilometers north of uh of North Dakota here and we often vacation in the United States and have friends and uh, I have some family down there and that sort of thing. So, you know, although it, this is, uh, you know, where we are right now, we sometimes do go down south and do some observing. I certainly have done a fair bit of observing down in the States now at this time. So it's always great to get down there and, uh, you know, see some old friends and do some astronomy down there too. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, for us Northerners, the, the further South we get, the, you know, it's kind of neat to open up some of those Southern constellations. Yeah, exactly. Well, do you have any other books or anything to add? We didn't talk about magazines or anything. There's really not that many astronomy magazines. We have Sky News here in Canada, which is a great sort of beginner uh, magazine, Sky and Telescope and Astronomy Down in the States, Sky at Night. And 
I think it's called Astronomy Now or something like that in the UK. And, uh, and that's kind of kind of it. There might be a few other ones. Uh, yeah. No, I think I think this is a good discussion. We covered a lot of really good books. Um, any one of them would be a great addition to an astronomy library. And hmm. I think people will get some enjoyment out of these. All right. Sounds good. So do you want to let people know how they can stay in touch with us? Sure. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter. We are at actual astronomy on Twitter. Uh, we send out notices uh, every time a new podcast is released. But if you want to um, ask us questions, feel free to message us there. And if you have some suggestions for future episode topics, uh, let us know and we might be able to work that into our schedule. Yeah, it'd be great to hear from people and uh, just just get some feedback. Kind of, We're seeing so many people join as followers and so many downloads coming now. I think we were, you were thinking as well as I was like, oh, we should... We should kind of open the two-way communication channel and make sure that people can reach out, especially like uh, we may we may make some mistakes or have some gaffes and we, we do this in a very live way. Um, so people should kind of understand uh, that there, there may be some some mistakes or gaffes that, that we make. Um, and so we're definitely open to to feedback and criticism, of course. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much, Shane. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Chris. All right. We'll talk to you next week. See you later.